When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat and author of the critically acclaimed book, Fall of the Boston Celtics, which you can still download for free by logging on to www.clnsradio.com slash book. Welcome on in to another edition of Celtics Beat being brought to you today by our sponsors, the home of online video tutorials, lynda.com and Audible. Audible is the leading source of audiobooks online with over 180,000 downloadable titles to choose from. And because of your listenership, Audible is offering your first audiobook on them by simply logging on to audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. That's audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. My goodness, it's Memorial Day weekend already. I guess that's what happens uh, when spring doesn't really begin until the middle of May here in New England. I guess that was the case this year, although technically... It's kind of over officially with the week, well, what is it, June 22nd? Memorial Day weekend, at least here in Boston, means one thing. Those getaway spots. Although they have been skiing recently in Vermont, don't know if they still are. I think that's over with. Almost beach season, not quite, but still basketball season. Got the conference finals going on. But on this show, it's draft season, it's the off season, it's rumor season, it's fantasizing season. It's always Celtic season at this hour. Hey, how goes it? This is Larry H. Russell. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio being brought to you today by Audible and Linda. LYNDA.com slash CLNS for a free 10-day trial of online tutorials. And we here at Celtics Beat and CLNS Radio are also excited to announce our newest sponsor, Casper. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost as they are revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing that savings directly to you, the consumer. Consumer first, consumer always, and you, our audience, our consumer, we have a good one for you lined up today. Bob Ryan, longtime scribe for the Boston Globe, best-selling author, including his latest work, Scribe, My Life in Sports, and one whose opinion regarding the Boston Celtics, who you or at the very least I and many others, value more than probably anyone else on the planet. He's our special guest on this week's show. And guess what? You don't have to wait any longer for him as he's right here, right now. Our interview with Bob is brought to you by DraftKings.com. Memorial Day may represent the first checkpoint in the baseball season, but DraftKings has you covered every day all season long and is the official daily fantasy partner of Major League Baseball. 
Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments, just instant cash, instant gratification. Why wait until the end of the season to claim victory when you can win huge casts every day? At DraftKings, it's like a brand new season every time you play. Just select two pitchers and eight position players, stay under the salary cap, and you could be on your way to an enormous payday. Last year, Peter from Colorado won a million bucks at DraftKings in one day just playing fantasy baseball. Hundreds of thousands of fantasy sports fans like you have already cashed in at DraftKings. So hurry on over to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code NEWENGLAND to play for free. You could win part of the $300 million in prizes being awarded this season. Use promo code NEWENGLAND at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. Use promo code NEWENGLAND for free entry now at DraftKings.com. Okay, Bob, fortunately or unfortunately, it is that kind of season in the NBA. There's a lot of names being thrown around. Seems to be a new name every week when you talk about the Celtics. It was DeMarcus Cousins a few weeks ago, LaMarcus Aldridge last week. I'm sure we'll eventually hear, who knows, Kevin Durant or maybe even Caesar Napoleon for that matter. But kind of bland, and sort of, but a fun two-part question to say the least to sort of kick things off here. Who would you consider the most obtainable player for the Celtics this summer, and who would you consider the best fit if we want to play that game? Oh boy, I'm I'm afraid. I how anybody says they know this, uh, I they're crazy because it's Danny we're talking about, and you don't know what Danny uh, is capable of constructing or, or accumulating or packaging or you know really I, I I don't know. I mean you know we know their needs. You know we know that that uh, a quote unquote rim protector. You know so so someone that can uh, that can do that would be the uh, a, a, a number of primary a primary target definitely need a a shooter a drop dead shooter who so knows that james young isn't going to be that guy he was a, he was obtained you know he was originally drafted to be that guy uh and 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 there was certainly he certainly dazzled him up in maine last year so you know was, I'm, i've got a lot of uh, optimism that he's going to be that guy um uh I, so i don't know i mean uh the the thing about the Celtics is that uh they have a whole conglomeration of nice players, nice, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth men on good teams. Uh, and uh, play, playing together, they can do exactly what they did. They can, they can win those 40 games and uh, do it again. But obviously that's not the goal. The goal was to improve to be a contender and, and eventually a champion. And uh, um, it's going to take some, some luck in the draft with all these picks, somebody might just turn out to be the gem uh, outside the top 10 that, that always surfaces somewhere. And, uh, you know, the Kawhi Leonard would be a great, one of the great examples. Somewhere out there is the next Kawhi Leonard. If maybe they'll be fortunate enough to find him. Yeah, I sort of definitely want to talk about the draft because I know you sort of have an affinity for those 1970s teams. I know that's pretty much how red built with those teams as well. I definitely want to get into that a little later. But while we're, we're sort of on this sort of discussion in terms of improving the team, how do you think they'll sort of go about probably, I mean, in your mind, going about improving the team? Is it going to be something where the line, along the lines of, as you said, Danny identifying deficiencies on the team, i.e. interior defense? I don't want to use the term rim protector. It's just being thrown around so much now. So interior defense, outside mm-hmm. shooting, wing scoring. Is he going to look at it that way, or is he going to say, okay, whatever is sort of the most advantageous or, or a player that we can get sort of for the best value, that's what we'll do, and then we'll sort of figure it out from there? Well, with Danny, with Danny, who's now had a, a decade of a track record, we've seen a little bit of everything. And, and uh, what we most, we've seen most of is, is draft day. Um, 
should I say, uh, maneuvering and and uh, with four picks, uh, a reasonable number of series, got a chance to do that. Um, but I, 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 he may very well have targeted somebody. You know, there may be um, a, a trading partner that that he's uh, lined up that we uh, you know we're not aware of. Uh, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I, know, I know I'm going to give you specifics because I can't. And I just think that it's laughable to me that anybody would think that they could come predict what Danny Ainge is going to do. You've got to start with this premise. From the first time he, from the minute he got here, he's proved two things. He's fearless. And, and well, he's, you know, number one, he's fearless. And, 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 uh, and, and, and he doesn't worry. And he, and he can act this way because the continuity in this organization from top down uh, is, is, is exemplary. The fact is that the owners own the GMGMs to coach coaches. And, and um, it's been that way uh, all through. And that, that's not always the case, as we well know, in, in, in the NBA. So uh, uh, the, the owners believe in Danny. And, and Danny, when he hires a coach, gives the coaches the, the, the needed authority. And, and, uh, and so, but I, I don't know. He's to God. I just know that he's worked hard to accumulate all these picks. Now, they may or may not be valuable, but I mean, I, I, I keep insisting that you can analyze it till the next 10 years, uh, and, and all, um, but the number one thing you're going to have to have in here is luck. And somebody's going to, like I said, and that means, by luck, I mean to find the next Kawhi Leonard. And uh, a guy that is not in the top five, is not in the top 10, but is going to be the, a player that, of great consequence for you. And, uh, uh, and and if they can put all these picks, you know, uh, have over the next seven years, maybe they'll find that guy. Well, one of the good things, too, also about having is all these draft choices and even a, a flexible salary situation for that matter is, and I've sort of discussed it myself, is the Celtics have, in the Machiavellian terms for that matter, they've sort of removed uh, in terms of how much luck can have an impact because they do have so many opportunities, to say the least. They aren't, say, the Knicks who are all in, you know, based on one ping pong ball or maybe the Celtics, say, back in 1997 where it was Duncan or nothing. I mean, I would like to think that they're in a pretty decent shape in the, in the fact that, I mean, you say they need luck, but odds are, with all the opportunities that they have, they have the chance, for that matter, to fail a little bit here or fail a little bit there because yep. they're they're likely going to well, fall into something. Well, Danny's like Danny's accumulated all these assets, these chips, whatever words you want to use, these picks, and 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 that does increase your chances. The more of them you have, the the better the odds are that you you might you might stumble into something. But uh, so we've all we've always learned that uh, the Jeffs are, uh, you know, that our phrase with, that, that nobody's got a better one. It's an exact science. So it truly is. And I took a really close look at the Celtics history, and and starting with Cousy in 1950, picked out of a hat, literally, literally picked out of a hat, a player that Red Auerbach did not want. He wanted Max Reslowski desperately. He didn't get him. He got stuck with Cousy, um, and right through Russell. And the circumstances that allowed him to maneuver to get Russell uh, were, were specific and very, very uh, fortuitous that they came together at the right time. Uh, St. Louis being St. Louis and Rochester being Rochester at the time. Um, and on right through the fact that Bird was better than people thought, McHale was better than people thought, uh, uh, Havlicek was better than people thought, Cowens was better than people thought. Um, you know, it's just, this is the history of Briss. Yeah, I mean, the Celtics, that was what I wrote about, too, in my book as well, is they got very lucky in numerous, you know, circumstances. Obviously, how badly Red wanted Ralph Sampson back in 1980 if, you know, Sampson oh, declares sure. for the draft. <laughs> yep, yep. There's no, no question. You know, there's no big three. I do, 
one last we're gonna we were since we are on the topic of you know all, all, everyone wants to talk about you know what superstar X is, is sort of the Celtics want and I'm, I'll sort of wrap that up here with this. Where do you come down here on Kevin Love? I mean, was he exposed this season, or would you give him a mulligan? I said on the show a few weeks ago, I think LeBron kind of banished him to the three-point line this year. I think he's given a pass this year, even though he did have a pretty decent year. It just wasn't that Kevin Love that we came accustomed to. Where do you sort of come down on him? There was no way that Kevin Love was going to put up gaudy numbers. It was not possible, to, given the structure of that team, given not only the presence of LeBron, but the, but the very, very strong basketball personality of Kyrie Irving. Uh, I thought that the, the one great asset he could have provided them that I don't think they took sufficient advantage of was his, his, he's the last of the outlet passes. There's nobody else in basketball that can throw an outlet pass. But he was a great rebounder with an outlet pass, and I thought that, that, would, that he would be swinging LeBron from, for 50-foot outlet passes, and, and um, it didn't really materialize to the extent that I thought it would. I'm with the, I am totally on his corner. I, I, I give him a major mulligan with a capital M, and I don't think that, that uh, um, if, they, if they want to win the championship now, well, you know, of course, that'll say, well, they need Kevin Love. Well, then maybe they'll be able, somebody will be able to steal Kevin Love at a nice cheap price, because, and I'll take him. So I'll be very happy. I'm gonna be, I will publicly volunteer to pick him up at the airport. How's that? I, I, I could be in the passenger seat if you like. I'll, I'll be the valet <laughs> opening the door. I mean, I even heard right. things along the lines of, oh, he's not worth the max contract. I think that's, I mean, oh, I mean, please. that's, that, yeah, that's, I mean, we, max contract, especially nowadays, is really the top, what, 30 players in the NBA. I would definitely think he qualifies that. You know, a little earlier, we're talking about, too, how unpredict, unpredictable Danny was. I think the most unpredictable he could be is if he legitimately built this team primarily through the draft because I think everybody has the conception that the blueprint is going to be uh, draft all some, some of these players, package some of these picks, do what they did back in 2007, package some young players, you know, get a Kevin Love, a DeMarcus Cousins, or whoever comes on the market, you know, in the span of the next one to three years. I think the ultimate unpredictable way is if he built this team sort of how Red built those teams in the 1970s, which, which was primarily through the draft and then using – uh, you know, some other trades to, you know, add, you know, pieces along the lines, yeah, along right, the lines right. of Paul Silas. Do you think there's any possibility that the, the, the next great Celtics team could be built that way? And I think that uh, it's doubtful. I mean, it just isn't the, the world isn't the same. Uh, there was a point in time right back in the early 70s when the, when the uh, uh, four-fifths of the starting lineup were number one out draft picks. Uh, you know, it was Cowens and Cheney in the backcourt and Havlicek and, and Cowens. And then the fifth man was either, uh, depending on who they were, once they, well, Nelson or Sanders. So actually, when Satch was there, they actually had a team that for a period of time in 70-71 was, in fact, comprised of five number one draft picks, starting five. Well, that, that, no one in the league has that now, and you don't see that. not happening. So, uh, no, that, I think you're much more on to it with the idea that uh, some sort of replication, not to the degree, naturally, of 2007 is much more likely. You know, and, and, uh, uh, but when, when there, the key to all that was that, that uh, after uh, making the trade for having the fifth pick, which would have been uh, having, but, uh, after making the trade for Raid, they had a chip that interested uh, uh, Minnesota sufficiently, that chip, of course, being out Jefferson. Uh, do they have that chip now? No, because uh, J- Jared Sullinger is not. Uh, though I like him and I, I, I find him a maddening tease. And, and hey, Jared, get in shape and just get the most out of your career, okay? Uh, I, I like him, but uh, he's not uh, even what Al Jefferson was then, let alone what Al Jefferson has become yet. Uh, I say yet. So, uh, 
Uh, they don't have that chip. Uh, you know, it's certainly not. Uh, they have, but they have players I like. I like Olenek. I mean, I don't know where he's going to be, but I like them. I like, I like, certainly Cody Zeller, uh, Tyler, excuse me, Tyler Zeller, uh, turned out to be uh, a, a nice pickup. But once again, in that same category I was speaking earlier, nice player. I've got lots of nice players. But obviously, there's nothing, there's no great player. Now, the face of the franchise and the guy who's going to be uh, the leader and everything else, as we certainly well know, is going to be smart. And smart's going to get better. And smart is not, he's not Dennis Johnson and he's He's not, uh, uh, I don't know who, but he's, he's somewhere. He's going to be a mainstay player for them. I think he's going to be the guy you build around. Yeah, I think that's what I was very encouraged with what I saw with Marcus Smart last year. Obviously, I thought he had a, you know, a decent season, but he seems to be the kind of kid who will put in the time and effort. Obviously, there's been many young players in Celtics history. You know, Antoine Walker, for one, came in the league with a talent. But the summer to him was just, you know, just it was an off off season. He really didn't use the off season to be anything productive, and that's why his career eventually decayed. And yet we were sort of, you know, you were mentioning, you know, we talk a lot about who the Celtics are going to get, and mostly it is via trade. But we do never really talk about who they're going to give up outside of the draft choices. We just assume it's, oh, yeah, you know, Team X will just accept, you know, all these draft choices. Uh, you're you're right, too, about Sollinger. He can't really be a centerpiece. I mean, th- there are there really any, any centerpieces on this roster, for that matter? or. No. Yeah, I mean, no, yeah, no. I mean, the best, the most. I think the most valuable chip clearly is smart. I think there are other. There have to be other people out there who see what we see in him and 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 think, my God, how young he is, and look at that body, and look at that, and look at that uh, that that uh, dogged nature he has, and look at the defensive ability. There's something good about. There's just something special, uh, you know, about him. And and uh, uh, but he's not an untouchable. <laughs> you know, but that's he's the best hope. That's the that's the the best thing, and that's not going to bring you a whole hell of a lot yet. So now, I mean, other than that, you know, the next player you like, I like a lot is Crowder, uh, and I mean, that was a tremendous break to get Crowder. Uh, but but is he a star in the making? Could he could he materialize into the next Jimmy Butler? I suppose there's always a model that you're aiming for, and the greatest, most outlandish fantasy that I could conjure up. Jay Crowder turns into Jimmy Butler. Uh, that that's fine, but I mean that's I I, I wouldn't uh, wager you know a whole lot on it. But I suppose it is not it is not utterly inconceivable that he turns out to be maybe ninety percent of a Jimmy Butler. He's a nice player. He knows what he's doing out there. I, I'm personally happy with what Jay Crowder is. Yeah, sure. If he turns into Jimmy Butler, that'd be pretty exceptional as well. And also too, I mean, nobody really mentions his name because he's almost been so identified with the recent success of the team. Is actually Isaiah Thomas. I mean, I know he's once again yeah, he's right, not a centerpiece, but he's a very good player get to him, yes. on a long term yep. contract as well. Who is uh, obviously yeah. Now I mean, uh, you're going to have to. Uh, he's an intriguing piece of the puzzle naturally because what he did uh, coming off the bench was, was truly spectacular. There, uh, um, uh, he still is a five nine, basically one and a half two guard. He's he's a reincarnation of Calvin Murphy, really, if you get down to it, uh, and. Uh, uh, he's an asset. There's no question. And I think in the best of all worlds, the way he was used last year is perfect. Uh, if you have to involve him and, and make him a centerpiece starter, uh, we'll see. I mean, I don't know. Uh, he had his bumps in the playoffs in this game, so no. Um, but I, I don't know what – I'm just – don't want to put my hand on that stove, you know, uh, completely the – what what it is going to be, but certainly they would have never had accomplished what they did accomplish and then gotten where they got without the, him being the, as you know playing as well as he did. Um, I, I don't know how coveted you know he would be, uh, uh, except for somebody as a 
uh, you know, as off the bench spark plug, and I don't know that that would uh, that anybody would give you a lot for that. It's going to be interesting. He's going to be in the league a long time, and everybody's going to want to have him around. And Nate Robinson's career, but hopefully even better. You know, I mean, Nate Robinson now it's, the career is stretching out, and it's, somebody always wants him. Nobody wants to keep him, but uh, that, you know, they're not desperate to keep him once they get him. But there's always somebody that wants him. And I think it's going to be the case with Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, it's interesting, too, that you mentioned Nate Robinson because his career kind of fell off the map a little bit right after that big game against Orlando he had against the playoffs with the Celtics. And I've always sort of worried about that in terms of, you know, these short, you know, 5, 10 or under guards. They really have a short shelf life because obviously they really can't take the physical abuse. Their game relies primarily on their speed. And once they sort of get closer to 30 and they do lose a step, I mean, it's almost like running backs in the NFL. Like they're peak is like 28 29 and after that i mean it's just sort of the end so that that's another that's thing that sort of concerns me with thomas a great point and i think you're uh, you're right and i think that the one exception was calvin murphy who had a 14-year career uh and got himself into the hall of fame but he was a physical specimen calvin murphy uh calvin murphy of course as you probably do know was a uh, uh had boxing skills as sydney wicks found out one night <laughs> and uh so i mean he was he was an exceptional athlete i mean just the, the ultimate in that kind of uh, body type and, and that play, ever play ever played in this league. Yeah, but even guys too. Like I mean, I know they were listed at six feet and they weren't six feet, and they were Hall of oh, Fame no. talents. And that's Allen Iverson and Isaiah Thomas. I mean, their career went like downhill fast well, after they went once they well, started to get yeah. a few injuries. Yeah, well, you're right. When your when your game is your legs completely, you know, so much of that, and there has to be. If you're that small, you got to have quick speed and quickness. So yes, um, but right now is uh, that's but that's that's not on the immediate. That's immediate for him. We're talking about he's in the prime, and they're going to benefit if they keep him. They're going to benefit from the prime in the prime of his career, whatever it is. They're going to get the benefit of it. Yeah, and I and I also totally agree with you too. I think that his value is almost entirely as that spark plug off the bench. I'm not sure he's an 82 a game a year starter as well, and. I think that is semi-concerning that that is sort of what he is pushing for. And, you know, whenever there seems to be like, like I think last March or whatever it was when they lost like two out of four games, there's already people clamoring for him to be a starter. I hope that isn't the case next year. Like when, if there's ever a stretch where the team loses four out of five, it's, oh my goodness, you know, Isaiah's got to start over Marcus Smart or something. We're asking him to be realistic and that might be very unrealistic. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I do want to shift the conversation a little bit. The NBA postseason has been phenomenal. Here we are. We're in the conference finals now. However, it's just the conference finals. Once again, it's another long, dragged-out NBA postseason. I mean, where do you sort of come down on this? Do you think that this sort of needs to be shortened down? Because if anything, it seems that the talks now are going to be that the season may very well extend to July. It's about it's only one word that accounts for all of this. Television. Uh, they want to have the maximum games available, and they have uh, two television networks that are televising the playoffs, uh, and therefore uh, they need to spread out the games and, 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 they, and maximize the potential of as many games as possible. Otherwise, there's no need for two weeks to take to play a seven-game series. None. There was only one reason. That's television. And uh, that's it, because you, you need a night off. You got, we, got two games, we got two games last night. We got two games tonight. That, that's the dream. That's what we got. When series get along, we got two six games tonight. You know, if they were unlucky, there would have been uh, no fifth game, let alone a sixth game. Well, they got two six games. We had we had two six games last night. Now one series is over. One series will continue. Um, 
It's all about television. And, and, and we can yap, and you and I can cry about it and moan about it. But there's nothing that any of us can do about it because they, 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 that's, that's who pays the freight. So it's about television. That's that. No, I, I expect there are... I remember the first year they went to June. It was 1975. You can look it up. The Warriors and the, and the uh, Bullets. And, and, and I thought it was, I was horrified. We went to June. I mean, and, uh, and we all were horrified. Then we kind of got used to that. And now uh, the idea of July is, is totally off-putting. But if it comes, it comes. And what are we going to be able to do about it? Nothing. Yeah, but can't we get basketball out in a sense? I'd argue that the reason why baseball is far less popular, obviously, it's because the games are much longer. But I remember growing up 15, 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, it was like baseball all year round. It wasn't just obviously the season, but, you know, you had the season that went from, you know, uh, end of March until the end of October. And then you had all this offseason talk. And baseball offseason was as crazy as anything. And for a while, it was fun. But I think that we, you know, we eventually just got baseballed out. I mean, we didn't like talking about who was batting behind Manny and Ortiz in the middle of January back in, you know, the mid-2000s. Can't this be sort of the case with basketball? I mean, you got to give the fans a little bit of a break. Uh, well, it's a nice abstract, you know. Give you a good after-dinner speech. Um, I just said, it's television. So no, there's nothing. There's no point. We can. There's no. There's nothing. No, nothing that can be done. It's about TV. If you want, if you want to have the, if you want to, you know, if they want to rewrite the contracts and, and say we're not going to have every game on, we're going to have games bumped up against each other, and they're and uh, uh, you know we're not going to, and we can. Oh, they can do it. If, if no, no, every sport is going to be the television. Do we need Thursday night football? No, of course not. We don't need Thursday night football. It's a football. You know, people that need football 12 months a year. I don't need Thursday night football. I, I don't need Sunday night baseball. That's an abomination under the Lord. I mean, I, it's ridiculous. It's a selfish, as a Red Sox season ticket holder, there's nothing I hate more than Sunday night. Nothing. I don't care who they're playing. It's just, it's terrible. And 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 it's, it's and Saturday night's the next worst thing. We have them, and we have them because of television. Period. No other reason. Television. Yeah, but I, why are we I, having this discussion? Uh, There's I nothing just, you can do. I I know. Nothing. I just think you can. I think I think that just, I've seen right now. You can, I don't want to go any further. <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, I do. I do know you. You want to get into this topic because we had him on the show recently. And that's obviously JoJo White being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Just sort of give me your take, sort of on that. JoJo is as qualified as some people who are in, and as unqualified as some people who are in. And, and uh, he's in a category where of, of the uh, um, borderline and very much like Jim Rice. And he got in, and I'm um, happy for him. It's going to mean a great deal to him. Um, now, he won't be in the upper echelon of the Hall of Fame. All the Hall of Fames have their gradations. And um, uh, what can I say? Uh, he should be, feel very good that he beat out uh, Tim Hardaway, particularly. And uh, uh, I honestly thought, just guessing, you know, because I don't know who the voters are. We never know who the 24 are at any given point in time. I have been one, but I am not at the present time. And um, uh, I would have predicted harder way. I was somewhat surprised that JoJo beat him out. Yeah, I think, too, there's also seems to be a pretty big push to get that, you know, that run DMC Warriors team, the majority of that team in the playoffs, and obviously Hardaway is that guy. I also, when Joe Dumars and then later uh, Dennis Johnson got in the Hall of Fame, I really thought that that opened the door for JoJo as well because those were those were sort of those guards that were sort of right on the cusp for so many years, and there was such an argument. And there were arguments for JoJo, but they really were never as loud as, say, the ones that were for DJ and obviously Joe Dumars and everything. Do you think that sort of had any impact in him getting in? Uh, 
Mm, once again, it's just it's so hard to say because you don't know who the who, who the people are at any given point in time. I sat in that room, and I know how it works. So, um, I, and and you know the nominations, I know how it works. And, and but even then, when you nominate uh, and and you don't, uh, uh, you know, you don't know. Then the ballots go out, and you don't know who's who's voting for whom. So, uh, I think Dennis Johnson's a higher category than Jojo White. I mean, I I, I was a, a loud advocate of Dennis Johnson. And, uh, and and I thought it was a well overdue, um, but um, and Dumars Dumars just was a liked person, really a liked person, as well as being a fine player. Um, and so I just think they're higher level. I I I certainly think Dennis Johnson is. You're going to put a pecking order, and he would bring your head of JoJo. Last question before we get out of here, because we are on the topic Hall of Fame, so we might as well talk about the absolute pinnacle. I hate doing these sort of these ultimatums, like if this happens like right away, would this be the case? But let's say LeBron James can get to the NBA Finals and take down whoever comes out of the Western Conference, one of the powerhouses. I've argued that I think he has a legitimate shot at being in the, in the absolute upper echelon pyramid, which I believe is only habitated by Bill Russell and Michael Jordan. And then there's a tear after that. But if LeBron can get a championship this year with you know kind of a battered up squad, do you think that he'll be in that pyramid comma yet or still got a little bit ways to go? I'm a big LeBron guy, and I uh, I think he'll never win the bar argument with Jordan because he's not winning six. If people are going to measure it on that that basis alone, they'll never win the argument in the eyes of some people. Uh, I, I find him uh, – I, I, I think he should, he's going to – when it's all said and done, I think he's going to deserve to be up on a, on a, on a pedestal with uh, – the, the, the handful of, of the greats you mentioned too, uh, I would put Bird and Magic in that category uh, uh, of, of the all-time uh, unquestioned uh, Duncan right with them. I mean, if, you know, it depends on how far you want to, you know, do we, we cut it off at one, two, three, four, five, six? How are we going to cut it off? But but um, you got three there, and I'm throwing in Bird and Magic, and that gives us five, and I'm throwing in Duncan, and it gives us six, and I'll and I'll be happy. I'll happy. I'll be happy to stop right there. So, um, but he'll be there. Yeah, he will definitely be there. Bob Ryan, longtime scribe of the Boston Globe. Also, his book, Scribe, still on sale. Bob, thanks so much for stopping by the show once again. You're welcome. That was fun. And just remember, TV. They're the villains. Whenever whenever you were looking for the villain, it's TV. Oh, I know. Having said that, having said that, we get to see these games. So, you know, we can't have our, you know, we can complain, but we do benefit from it, too. We do. We definitely do, and we certainly benefit whenever we are graced with the wisdom of the one and only Bob Ryan. And as always with Bob, where do we begin? Fun talk, great chat. You heard me snuggling a deflate gate reference in there. First off, once again, I hate gate at the end of every scandal. I hate rim protector. I hate assets. I hate all these overused terms or phrases in sports. Whatever. You heard me sneak that in there when we talked about pro sports leagues spreading out their seasons further and further whether it's with longer seasons or, in this case, artificially inflated off-season discussions, i.e. so-called scandals to generate contrived interest in a league that is not normally on the map during a specific time, i.e. the NFL in May. Right, the NFL has got to be loving all the interest they are getting now, huh? And what does this say about Joe America? The same Joe America or Joe Sixpack who complains about their wives, their girlfriends, lady friends, whatever, Katie America for that matter, for reading Us Weekly and obsessing over celebrity breakups, the Kardashians, and whatever garbage reality soap operas that dominate certain people's lives. Hate to say it's the same thing in this situation, 
talking about letting a means of entertainment superseding one day. That's the case here. And the NFL has got to be ecstatic over this. But as I say with baseball, growing up, I flippin' loved baseball. For me, it was all baseball all the time, watching, playing, I mean, video games. If there was snow on the ground in mid-January, then I was uh, trading Kenny Lofton, Barry Bronze, and Roger Clemens to use them as the Mariners and Ken Griffey Slugfest for Nintendo 64. It was all baseball all the time. The offseason, like I said with Bob, I used to soak it up as much as the actual season. But there came a point where it was like, enough. I got baseballed out. Baseball tried to be 365 days a year as a sports league, and I'd say it backfired on them. I like to say I'm not the only one who is sick of Major League Baseball. The interest here in a so-called baseball town like Boston, I say it isn't even one-fourth of what it was in years like 2003, 04, 05 in this city. Not a fourth. Even when the Sox won the World Series a couple of years ago, which seems like it never happened now, by the way, it wasn't nearly what it was because we used to just talk about baseball all the time in this city. And that just isn't the case anymore. And now here it is during the season. And baseball, like I said, it's just nowhere near uh, generating the kind of interest in a baseball town like Boston that it did 10 years ago. And so I believe the NFL has to be careful with that. And so does the NBA. You can't shove phony storylines down people's throats just to maintain their interest in your product on an all-year-round basis. You just cannot do it. And that's what I was getting at there with Bob over that um, the discussion with talking about stretching out the NBA season and how it's a little irritating. I think it, in best it needs to be shortened. And hopefully, you know, there isn't any bogus discussion this summer, i.e. what the NFL is doing. So we don't like bogus. We want to go back to some real basketball talk here. Definitely got to talk Kevin Love. Obviously, we, or I for that matter, I was the one who brought up his name. And let me just say one thing. I think the Boston Celtics have a 33.3333333% chance of acquiring Kevin Love this summer. That is, in your, your mind, I'm sure, pretty high. And I'm not throwing out the 33 number as Sherrod did last week regarding LaMarcus Aldridge because it's Larry Bird's number and it's the Celtics and go Celtics, rah, rah, rah. I say 33.3% with a line over the three because there are three options for Kevin Love this summer. And I believe they all, at this very moment, hold equal footing. And that is signing with the Celtics, as mentioned, signing with the Los Angeles Lakers, or re-signing with Cleveland on a shorter deal, maybe even for a year to give himself another shot with LeBron and an opportunity to cash in on an even bigger contract, maybe the following summer when there's going to be more money to go around. Something to watch for, I think if the Cavs do get to the finals, or heaven forbid, win it all without love, I think he's more prone to stay back in Cleveland because I think out of peer and media pressure, he'd stay with LeBron. A lot of people, I don't know Kevin Love personally, so I'm not going to say he is one of them, but a lot of people do obsess uh, over what people think of them. And I do not think, because of that, I'll sort of draw conclusions in that I do not think Kevin Love would want to bail on the Cavs or bail on LeBron for that matter if they do in fact win it without him, or get as far as being on the cusp of a championship, which would certainly affect what people think of him and his capabilities, as many have done so already if the Cavs do have all the success as they have without love recently these past few weeks. I mean, 
already the catcalls are out there. As I talked with Bob a few years ago, he was a consensus top five player in the NBA. In fact, probably at this time last year, he was a top five player in the NBA. One of the most complete offensive talents in the association. Now you hear people, and I'll throw Kirk Minahane's name under the bus because he's the most recent name I heard. Regarding this, they'll say things like, oh, of course he's not worth the max contract. I mean, are you kidding me? First off, listen, you do not have to have the last name of Harden, James, Durant, Davis, or Paul to be a quote-unquote max-level player. I mean, Greg Monroe is getting a max contract this summer. Guys like Chris Middleton and Draymond Green may very well challenge for one. Of course, Kevin Love. Even this so-called diminished Kevin Love is worth a max contract. Anybody who thinks otherwise does not know basketball and or does not understand the parameters of the salary structure in the NBA. And even with or without that, I am totally with the great Bob Ryan on this. I would so give Kevin Love, yes, a major mulligan, a breakfast ball off the first tee. He clearly had trouble adapting to what LeBron James wanted out of him this season. I think it was more of the case with that rather than this guy forgetting how to play basketball or what some others may think about him in terms of struggling to find a role on a good team. No, he was not a stat stuffer on a piss-poor Minnesota Timberwolves team. He always played the game the right way throughout his career. I clearly think it was the case of him just failing to adapt or needing more time to adapt to that Chris Bosh role that Chris Bosh himself had trouble adjusting to. Even he needed at least a full season to do so. And hey, hopefully Love ignores that and doesn't sign back with Cleveland even on a short deal because I think even if he does so, he will eventually figure it out. And that, in my estimation, would lead to a long-term contract extension eventually with LeBron and the Cavaliers maybe a year or two years from now. The potential for individual and team success is there in Cleveland for Love. But hey, I'm biased. Hopefully Kevin Love does not see that. Hopefully he's enticed more by playing in Boston and for Celtics fans, living in this city, playing for Brad Stevens, going back to being a focal piece of the offense rather than just a piece of the puzzle as he is in Cleveland. I think he can be a focal point of the offense. I think he's easily a guy you can run the offense through and be an elite team. I really do. And I think the Celtics see that as well. And in a way, from what we've heard from various credible members of the media and basketball world, I think Kevin Love believes in that to an extent too. And that's why I really believe of all these so-called big fishes available either by free agency or trade in the summer or the following in 2016 for the Celtics, I think Kevin Love presents the best opportunity at Boston being able to substantially improve themselves. I think as of now, Sunday, May 24th, 2015, he represents the best odds for the Celtics. So yes, there it is. I'm putting that out there. 33%. One-third of a chance at acquiring Kevin Love this summer. And like Bob Ryan said, let's pick him up at Logan. He can drive. Bob can drive. I'll be the valet, and I'll carry his luggage. We can use Bob's car because I don't think we want to pick Kevin Love in my 04 Honda Civic. But that's where I stand on that. Good chance at Kevin Love this summer. Certainly a far superior chance than, say, at LaMarcus Aldridge or some others. And if Boston is able to pull that one off, well, I'm telling you right now, dance in the streets or just dance in general because that would be a major, major coup for the Boston Celtics. So let's give it some time and see what happens because we're certainly getting ready to gear ourselves up for what promises to be a wild couple of weeks here in June and early July. And of course, we'll have you covered here at CLNS Radio 
As you know, this show airs 52 weeks of the year, no exceptions, every Sunday over on iTunes, Stitcher, and CLNS Radio. And of course, our B team, be it Jarrett Weiss down at the Garden, will have all the audio and video material you need up on www.youtube.com slash Radio. And of course, the writing staff will be up to date with news and opinion pieces over at CLNSRadio.com. And let's hear it from you. And to do so, simply download the Reached app at www.reachtapp.com slash CLNS. And let us hear at Celtics Beat know what you think regarding the Celtics' chances at Kevin Love. That'll be our Reached question of the week. And we'll post a link to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Celtics Beat if you have trouble finding the Reached app. But what do you do think are the Celtics' chances for Kevin Love this summer. As I mentioned, a lot of it does hinge on what happens during these playoffs and what Cleveland can do here in the conference finals. Obviously, as stated, if Cleveland does win it or they get really close, say in fall in six or seven games, I think it'd be hard for him to walk. But if Cleveland does make it and then just gets mashed or they actually drop the series to the Hawks, you know, God forbid... I think the decision for Love to walk could be easier on his part, but it's all what Cleveland can do, and more specifically, what LeBron James can do for that matter, as he is pretty much that Cleveland team. Going into the season, they looked like a powerhouse. I have no shame to admit I thought they could challenge the 70-win threshold during the regular season. They were my pick to win it all, but now Love's been out since the first round. Kyrie Irving is still Kyrie Irving, but he's a bit dinged up. The guy that's really giving them the huge boost is Tristan Thompson. Celtics fans saw firsthand how much he killed Boston coming off the bench, just dominating the glass. He's continued that throughout these playoffs and was doing so during the regular season as well, one of the league's best sixth men. It's just now during this postseason on a national stage. He's actually getting the recognition as someone who's been changing games, and he certainly deserves so. But that's really about it. Obviously, LeBron is still LeBron, and the Cavs for that matter. It was he who hit that shot back a few weeks ago on Mother's Day against Chicago that saved the Cavaliers season when even I had doubts regarding them. I thought after they got down to Chicago 2-1 and lost in the manner that they did on that Rose Bank shot, I thought they were going to wilt. But I remember Sean Grandy on this show a few weeks ago calmly declaring, ah, they'll still be in the finals. And sure enough, LeBron hits that shot in the corner on that Sunday afternoon versus Chicago. He has a big game the next game in Cleveland, that game 5, 38 points, I believe. And since then, they've sort of been taking care of business from there and are at least in a position to make it back to the finals, which would be LeBron James's fifth consecutive NBA Finals appearances. That is unprecedented. It hasn't been done since Bill Russell with the Celtics. I know there are players like Steve Kerr who played in four straight finals, but ahem, you know, uh, that's Steve Kerr. We are talking about the focal points of teams here and LeBron James. He's led his team to the last four NBA Finals. He has been in the Eastern Conference Finals now, something like six of the last nine years or eight years. It's incredible. He changes the dynamic of whatever conference he is in. We haven't really seen that since Michael Jordan. Even Kobe, even Duncan. I know Bob has a very high regard for Duncan. But LeBron, I think he has clearly demonstrated he has a great impact on whichever team he plays for. And as stated, the, the dynamic of the league, of the conference he plays in for that matter. I mean, the Kobe comparisons are just laughable in my view. And I even wrote a column on this two years ago when LeBron has certainly accomplished a lot in these in these past two years, since that, two and a half years for that matter, since that column came out. Kobe comparisons with LeBron 
laughable. Kobe is not even in the same stratosphere as LeBron James, and I cannot take your opinion seriously if you do believe so. LeBron James on a team of bums, whether it be the 2007 to 2010 Cleveland Cavaliers, he's got that team winning 60-plus games, appearing in the NBA Finals, literally on a team with a bunch of guys named Fred. He's got them competing. Kobe has proven he can't do the same. Kobe has been on his share of lottery teams or fringe playoff teams that get washed away in the first round. LeBron is still great. He's put whatever team he's been on, no matter what type of talent level he has around him, whether it be an NBDL roster as he had in his first Cleveland go-around or playing alongside other all-star talents in Miami, he's always there at the end. You can't say that for Kobe, and you actually can't even say that for Duncan. I think the only guy you can really say that for in this post-Jordan era is Shaq, who from about like 94 to 2006, a good decade plus there, like LeBron, he always had his team in position. No matter what the talent pool around him was, and no matter if they did win it or not, they were always there. Shaq got three as the far and away best player on the team with the Lakers, and then snagged another one as Dwayne Wade's sidekick in 2006. And everything between that for Shaq was always winning 55-plus games, playing in the conference finals every year. It's the same with LeBron. And that that's, in my opinion, how you truly measure greatness in the NBA, more so than statistics or advanced sabermetrics or resumes, for that matter, which, in my view, mean very little. Like, just It's ridiculous when people just rip off Kobe's quote-unquote resume of all these you know, all-star appearances. It means very little in, in terms of measuring the greatness of an NBA player. The great players can always carry teams and in some of the rarest of occurrences, can even win in spite of them, as, say, Bill Russell did with less than stellar teams in 1968 and 1969 with battered, injured, and old supporting casts. LeBron, I'd argue, in 2013 with a banged-up Wade and a very good but not great by any means Chris Bosh, he won in 2013 largely thanks to a miraculous Way Allen three-pointer, but LeBron put the heat on their back in Game 7, and with what I thought was one of the best singular game performances in the history of this sport. Go ahead and look it up. Wade was not just average in that series against San Antonio. He was a borderline liability at times, particularly as that series went on. But as stated, he's always there. And it's no different this year as well. Back in the conference finals, Cleveland Cavaliers, LeBron James, they got a chance at the NBA Finals. So say what you want about LeBron. Have the emotional feelings that you do have regarding him, but at the same time, you have to appreciate. Well, you don't even have to appreciate. You have to respect his greatness, and you have to acknowledge where he stands amongst his peers as athletes in and outside of the NBA. To me, he's the preeminent athlete in North American sports right now and has been so at least since the new decade, at least since Tiger Woods backed out his SUV into a tree and his career has just gone off the cliff since then. LeBron James, the best NBA player post-Jordan, the most dominant athlete in pro sports since Tiger Woods, car accident, and like Bob Ryan said, a player who is going to be in that NBA pinnacle, if he isn't there already, and I know I've talked about this on recent shows a lot, but I believe he's someone who has a chance to reach the highest pyramid only occupied by Michael Jordan and Bill Russell. In my view, no matter what happens the rest of this postseason, and he is the storyline of this postseason, no matter what happens, I know there's a lot going on right now, and I've talked about a mad nauseum on recent shows, but LeBron is the storyline of the postseason. He is the face of the NBA. He will be so as long as he still has the LeBron James capabilities. 
And no matter what happens the rest of this postseason, whether he can win the title or not, which I do not think he will, I think Golden State is just far more talented. And that home court advantage they have there is is just remarkable. That, and that'll just be too much for Cleveland in my eyes. But I think LeBron this season can only add to his legacy, no matter what happens from here on out. And same with the seasons to come. Obviously, he'll need another championship or two or three, for that matter, to get into that Russell Jordan territory. But for now, as fans, just sit back, enjoy it, or, or don't enjoy it. It's, it's your life. It's not mine. But at least I am. Let it play out. And we as fans, we as highly ethical, impartial observers can have fun with these discussions amongst our friends with the likes of individuals as respected and as astute as Bob Ryan for the days and years to come. And of course, if you want to get further into what Bob Ryan thinks of some of the game's all-time greats, definitely suggest to our listeners to pick up Bob's memoirs, Scribe, My Life in Sports, as mentioned in our interview, Still available at your local bookstore, Amazon.com. And yes, as an audiobook on Audible.com. As you know, Audible has an array of books to choose from. And yes, Bob Ryan's award-winning book, Scribe, is one of them. And as you know, if you do not yet have an account with Audible, Audible and Celtics Beat are giving you your first audiobook for free once you sign up for an account at audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. Again, audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. Still a ton to talk about, especially regarding the Celtics. And with regarding our chat with Bob, back for more on the other side of the break. This is Larry H. Russell. You're listening to Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio. Are you looking to lose weight, burn fat, pack on muscle, or just live a healthier life by sleeping better and worrying less? Well, aren't we all? Unfortunately, we've spent years quibbling over phony studies, fad diets, and dangerous prescription drugs that have prevented us from living our lives to the fullest and have done more harm than good. But thankfully, science has prevailed, and we now know that there is no other way in achieving optimal health than by consuming what nature has to offer us in its purest form possible. Hi, I'm Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat and critically acclaimed author of Fall of the Boston Celtics. And let me tell you about Dr. Ron's Ultra Pure Nutritionals. Dr. Ron's supplements are 100% additive free. They contain no magnesium stearate or other flowing agents, binders, lubricants, coatings, fillers, GMOs, or other added ingredients of any kind. And best of all, they work. Dr. Ron's supplements are my personal go-to for anything from post-workout recovery to achieve optimal gains all the way to stress management, as they have one of the widest varieties to choose from anywhere. So if you're not getting the results you want from maddening forms of dieting and dealing with adverse side effects from other harmful drugs, remember one thing. As Hippocrates said, the natural way is the only way. Let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. And let Dr. Ron's Ultra Pure Nutritionals be the remedy for you. Available only at www.drrons.com. This episode of Celtics Beat is being presented to you today by Audible, the leading source of audiobooks online with over 180,000 downloadable titles to choose from. Also by DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Major League Baseball, and by Lynda.com, the home of online video tutorials, that's L-Y-N-D-A.com, and by Casper, revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting you the cost of showrooms and resellers. Free delivery, painless returns, and 100 days so you don't have to lie down in a showroom. 
Okay, so we had Bob Ryan here, and we talked about who the Celtics could get, which turned into how the Celtics could acquire said player, which was Kevin Love, which in turn turned into me giving my take on LeBron James once again on this show. So plenty of NBA talk there. Because of that, we're jumping around the NBA in five today. And we're going to work our way backwards here and talk about what we led the discussion off with and what we generally lead the show off with. This week, we'll finish the show with some talk regarding the present-day edition of the Celtics. Some quality discussion we had there regarding the roster and of all the topics we've talked about on this show regarding the the roster situation, whether who we like to see make substantial improvements next year, who's the most promising player, who was a team's leader, who was a team's most tradable asset. We've, or at least I, have hop-stepped around some talk regarding the team's best player, at least efficiency-wise, the team leader in PER, and that's Isaiah Thomas. So let's start off with him here. I brought up how... My only real concern with him, well, outside of the second half of his career, which I feel will not be very productive based on historical evidence, are the rumors out there that he wants to be a starter. As Bob said, he's the perfect sixth man. He's the perfect guy off the bench who can change games, change the pace of games, give give you instant offense. I don't feel anyone would argue or disagree with that. My only concern with him is not when he does go cold, as he did in games three and four against Cleveland. Hey, he's a scorer, an outside shooter, and they get cold. They have their nights. All the great ones did. It's no different. When they are cold, they rarely impact the game in other ways, so naturally fans get frustrated with that, but we know that's few and far between. There's a lot more good in there, and we saw this past season when he was pretty much the primary reason, at least on the court, why they made the run they did to get to the playoffs. He added so much, a different dynamic and even attitude and chemistry-wise seemed to change the mindset of the team as soon as he came over. But my one concern is his desire to be a starter, at least from what I have heard. As I said, he had such a big impact on the chemistry of the 2015 Celtics that he could actually hurt it if he ever does, in fact, press this. First off, it creates pressure on the team that shouldn't be there. You saw this past March when the Celtics had a rough stretch where I believe they lost like four or six games, something like that, starting with a bad loss at home against the Pistons on a Sunday evening. And there were some other rough runs in there. There was a lousy loss to Miami at home on a Wednesday and whatnot. And the moment this happened, you saw the articles go up about why Isaiah Thomas needs to start and fans joining in on the calls too. This reactionary mindset is never beneficial. It never is. And I would hate for this to happen next year. I said this with Bob. I would hate that next year, pending Isaiah Thomas is still on the team, that the moment this team lost three in a row or four out of six or whatever, that those reactionary cat calls will not be there again. They are counterproductive, but unfortunately, they will kind of always linger if the rumors regarding Thomas wanting to be in that starting lineup and how he himself never quells such rumors, sometimes even adding a bit fuel to the fire with a lot of indirect references, as I believe he actually did so this patch March. Well, I do not think they would sabotage the team or the season for that matter. I know they can't help. I know, if anything, they could only hurt. And I also said, too, quote-unquote, pending Isaiah Thomas is still on the team, quote-unquote. Obviously, if Boston does, in fact, make a big move this summer, be a trade, or at least is in such a position to do so, naturally, his name is going to come up in such discussions. He has such value, and I know he's been thoroughly identified with this organization in such a short period of time. But that possibility is always there. Of course, you'd love to keep them. It's funny. A lot of people in Celtics Nation want to trade a few of these guys and a few of those draft picks for 
this awesome player or that spectacular player. But rarely do you hear Thomas's name, despite him being, as I said, probably having more trade value than anyone else on the roster when you combine his age, how good he is, the size of his contract. But I said he has become so identified as a Celtic, and he's also maybe the only guy or at most one of two who has his set role really carved out for him, and that is as a sixth man. I mean, these other players, Sullinger, Olenek, we know they are good players, but we still don't know of them yet or what they could do on a good winning team. The other guy who seemingly has carved out his niche is someone who else who Bob brought up, and that's Jay Crowder, who, safe to say, Mr. Ryan is clearly a fan, as am I, and as is just about anyone else who follows this team closely. And to anyone who makes a Jimmy Butler comparison, as Bob did, and certainly one can see it in the sense that Butler came into the league really as an athletic, hard-nosed defensive stopper, but just busted his tail and worked hard enough to where he made substantial improvements every single day and every single season to become the player that he is right now. Me personally, I do not think that is possible for Jay. I know Bob mentioned is just the absolute 0.1% best case scenario, but I just don't think that's really truly possible at all. I don't think that he possesses Butler's athleticism or coordination. However, I do believe Crowder has yet to reach his ceiling because it's pretty evident that the kid is a worker. And he, like Butler, will take the time necessary during off-seasons to hone weaknesses and get better. He obviously suffered a setback with the injury thanks to J.R. Smith back in Game 4 of that first-round series. But I do expect to see a better Jay Crowder next year, maybe with a more efficient three-point shot. And I would be thrilled with that. To be honest, I'm thrilled with what he can do right now. He is a very valuable piece to a winning team. Heck, he was a very valuable piece last year. As Wick Rosbeck said in my feature that ran on CLNSradio.com back in early February of this past year, he was one of the key figures who elevated the spirit on this team. Him and Thomas and guys that were already here, like Marcus Smart and Avery Bradley, they were critical for the team making a big leap chemistry-wise, especially mid-season when it looked you know, a little shaky there. What, what, they were 19-31 and 31 at one point, and it was easy for the team to get down on themselves, particularly when they were losing games in the manner that they were doing so. But Jay, I mean, he was just remarkable for this team, for the spirit of this team. It was clear from the outside, and then when you have a guy like Rick Grossbeck, who was obviously on the inside, telling the same thing, I mean, it's there. But... All in all, that was a great chat all the way around Bob Ryan. As stated, whose opinion do you value more on the Celtics than Bob Ryan's? I totally agree with his assessment of the roster. He has 10 to 12 nice players that all have a place in this league in one way or another. And with a few guys who do have some roles on this team carved out for them. We mentioned Crowder. We mentioned Isaiah Thomas. But we know... That in itself, along with a great coaching staff led by Brad Stevens, was good enough for 40 wins this past season. But we also know, as we said earlier, 40 wins is not the goal. It is a stepping point. We know what the goal is, and we are confident that it will be reached. And confident that it will be obtained in a future a little closer than we once imagined. So here's to that, and... Here's to another edition of Celtics Beat. Music for Celtics Beat is provided by Will Rock, Chuck Dietz, Hyde 209, and Steph Legrateau. 
be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore B, and you can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show at facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. Also, check us out on Google Plus, Celtics Beat on CLNS. Love to thank our guest, the legendary Bob Ryan, as well as our sponsors, Linda, Audible, DraftKings, Casper, and Dr. Rons for making this all possible. For our staff writer, Eddie Santiago, program director, Nick Gelso, myself, the executive producer and host of Celtics Beat, I'm Larry H. Russell. See you next Sunday for another edition of Celtics Beat, heard exclusively on CLNS Radio.